Welcome to Cooking the Books. I'm Vanessa, your host, and I'm glad you're here. It's good to be back, and I hope everybody is continuing to stay sane as the craziness of 2020 continues into the fall. At least it's cooling off, right? But wow, the hits sure do keep coming. Speaking of taking a painful hit, the news of the death of writer Rodolfo Anaya broke earlier this summer on June 30th, capping a summer that was already hard hit by COVID-19, all the political and racial unrest we're experiencing. So much economic turmoil. The passing of another beloved writer, Carlos Ruiz Zafon, earlier in May, and just a host of other terrible occurrences worldwide. But the death of Rudolfo, Rudy, as his friends and family called him, hit home in a very personal way. Rudy, who is considered the godfather of Chicano literature, was also a very dear friend and mentor to me. His loss still hurts, and it's a loss not only to the literary world, but to the many people he touched with his words. He was very much an advocate for people of color, underprivileged individuals. He was the champion of the underdog. And his seminal book, Bless Me Ultima, was the first book of its kind. When it was first published in the early 1970s, it told the story of growing up poor in a small town. Nothing too mind-blowing there, right? Well, Rudy's story has become iconic because it was the first published book that wrote about being Hispanic and growing up in a small town in New Mexico. The book used colloquialisms that had never been published before, giving readers the true sound and flavor of what it was to grow up New Mexican. I was fortunate to have met Rudy around 20 years ago and we developed a wonderful friendship. I had always admired his work, having been introduced to his writing by my father, who was a teacher just like Rudy was in his early career. My dad was also an avid reader, and I suppose that's one of the things I inherited from him. Good looks as well. Ha ha. <laughs> he had books everywhere my dad did, all over his house, all over his office, all around his car. In fact, Seeing the books my dad had in his car is one of the very first ways I remember being introduced to certain writers like Stephen King, J.R.R. Tolkien, and Rudolfo Anaya himself. When I got older, I actually met Rudy at a book signing at a small local bookstore here in Albuquerque, and I think I developed somewhat of a crush on him. My sister always teased me about being his stalker. But to have met him in those days was to meet a man who was in his prime just having turned 60 and still with a presence and way of carrying himself that drew me in. He was a hero to me. And to get to know him in real life was a little bit like falling in love. He became a mentor to me as time went on, encouraging my writing, encouraging me to go to graduate school, always encouraging my language studies and encouraging my travel to other countries. So I guess you could say I was always a little bit in love with him. His, his, excuse me, his intelligence combined with his rare gift for storytelling, his kindness and his compassion, his deep passion to tell the story of our people, the people of New Mexico, and just his charisma and magnetism charmed most everyone, and particularly me, a young woman who had aspirations to be a writer herself. 
I always used to say that if he and I had met at the same age and in the same time, I would have married him. Death cannot stop true love. All it can do is delay it for a while. Rodolfo Anaya is considered the seminal author on the Chicano experience. He was born in the small town of Pasturas in northern New Mexico post-World War II and became an English teacher and then a professor at the University of New Mexico here in my hometown of Albuquerque. Not an unusual trajectory for a published author, but what made him unique both on the world stage and to me personally is the fact that he really was one of the first published and widely read Hispanic authors. And since we're celebrating National Hispanic Heritage Month now in September, I thought it was very appropriate to do this episode in his honor. The book Bless Me Ultima was his first published work, and it tells the universal tale of a young boy and his coming of age. The story is told from the viewpoint of Antonio Mares. Antonio is the youngest of seven children living in a small town in northern Mexico. An old woman named Ultima comes to live with their family, and it is her presence that forever changes Antonio's life. Ultima is what we call a curandera. This means healer in Spanish. She is also considered by some to be a witch. She has an owl, which is her familiar, and that accompanies her everywhere and plays a pivotal role in several intense scenes in the book. <laughs> Ultima's friendship and guidance affect Antonio by making him begin to question everything he has been traditionally raised to believe. And it is this friendship that becomes the bedrock of his life. Ultima teaches Antonio the use of herbs as both medicine and magic, about the nature of good and evil, and what it means to love and lose. In short, all of those lessons that we learned growing up. I thought Rudolfo Anaya was just the most wonderful writer, but Rudy's books weren't always beloved by everyone. And in fact, he got most of the heaviest criticism from other, other educators and writers in our home state of New Mexico. In fact, many people criticized Bless Me Ultima as being too pastoral, romanticizing growing up in New Mexico, or being too sentimental. I personally take great issue with those assessments because I believe in my heart that we have to write what we know. Rudy knew this and embodied it in all of his books, but particularly this one. He wrote about growing up only knowing Spanish until he went to school because that was his experience. He wrote about being the youngest son in a family of seven children because he was the youngest of seven kids. He wrote about the pain and heartbreak of growing up and learning that your parents are only human and understanding the nature of choosing your own path in life because that was his reality. Now, not everyone who grew up in New Mexico grew up poor or grew up in a small town, but just because that wasn't everyone's experience, just because that wasn't my experience, doesn't mean that it doesn't have value and validity. In fact, I'll tell you a funny story that ties directly into what I'm talking about here. I used to go out with an English professor named Eddie, and Eddie used to trash talk Rudy so much. It was hilarious. It drove me crazy, but it was funny. Eddie was also a writer and a stand-up comedian, but that's a whole other story. And I truly think it burned him to see Rudy get the accolades and praise for his writing. It always used to make me laugh, though, because I would say, Eds, the color green is so unflattering on you. So hilarious. Eddie, if you're listening, I stand by what I said. 
Green was never your color, my dear. The reason this book means so much to me and to many other New Mexicans is because it's the first book that accurately describes what it was like growing up Hispanic in New Mexico. The Spanish phrases that Antonio's parents use in the book were all used by my grandparents and great-grandparents. All of the healing methods that Ultima teaches Antonio were used regularly by my great-grandmothers and my grandmothers. I have this very vivid memory of watching my great-grandmother on my father's side sweeping up my great-grandfather's hair after she'd given him a haircut because, and I am quoting her directly from memory, no le quiere las brujas. If you've read this book, you will definitely remember the section about the witches, the infamous Trementina sisters, and their curse on Antonio's Uncle Lucas. And you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and of course, my favorite, there's the food. The food described so vividly in this book, the beans, the chicos, the tortillas, the green chile, and the atole. Those are all foods I grew up eating as a child. In fact, this passage has stayed with me over the years since I first read the book, and it's what inspired today's culinary feast. I spread the blankets close to the wall and near the stove while Ultima prepared the atole. My, gran my grandfather had brought sugar and cream and two loaves of bread, so we had a good meal. This is good, I said. I looked at my uncle. He was sleeping peacefully. The fever had not lasted long. There is much good in blue cornmeal, she smiled. The Indians hold it most sacred, and why not? On the day that we can get Lucas to eat a bowl of atole, then he shall be cured. Is that not sacred? Atole is a traditional New Mexico drink made from finely ground blue corn served with hot milk and sugar. It's very good. Although for someone like me who doesn't have much of a sweet tooth, it's not really something I ever considered making as an adult. I did, however, start thinking about blue corn in general and wondering how it would taste cooked as sort of a savory oatmeal. I'd never really cooked with blue corn before, and when I started researching cooking methods, ironically, the grossest sounding recipe for it was on the New Mexico True website, which included quinoa, piñon, and raisins. What the hell? Who in their right mind would cook traditional atole with quinoa and raisins? Blech. So I dug around a bit more and actually found a New York Times recipe for blue corn cakes, which I tweaked a bit and used as a basis for my own unique New Mexico dish, savory blue corn cakes with poached eggs and green chili. You cannot tell me that doesn't sound divine. And since we're smack in the middle of our state's traditional green chili season, it's even more fitting. So here's what you'll need for this recipe. You'll need one cup of blue cornmeal, one half cup of all-purpose flour, one tablespoon of salt, one teaspoon of caldo de pollo, which is a powdered chicken bouillon, one teaspoon of baking powder, two eggs at room temperature with the yolks separated, one half cup of heavy cream, one half cup of water, one half cup of melted butter, two whole eggs at room temperature, a half cup of white vinegar, and one heaping cup of roasted and chopped green chili flavored with salt, garlic, and olive oil and heated through. And this is what you do. Mix the blue corn meal, the flour, the salt, the pollo de caldo, and the baking powder together and set aside. 
In another bowl, whisk the egg yolks with the heavy cream in the water, then beat the egg whites separately until they foam up, add to the yolk and the cream mixture, and stir again. Gradually, a spoonful at a time, add in the blue corn and flour mixture and add the melted butter. Stir again to form a batter and refrigerate the batter mixture for about 30 minutes. When you're ready to cook, heat a nonstick pan with a teaspoon of olive oil and then a separate pan, heat together some salted water with the vinegar. This is for poaching your eggs. Take the blue corn batter and form some small cakes about the size of your palm. Put the blue corn cakes into the hot oil in the pan. Cook for about one to two minutes per side until they get brown and crunchy and then lay on a platter. So when you poach your eggs, what you're gonna to wanna to do is you stir the hot water and vinegar together until you get a good whirlpool action going. Then gently crack in the eggs one at a time and let them cook until they firm up, I would say about three to four minutes, depending on how runny you like your yolk. So now you're ready to plate up. Put your blue corn cakes on a plate and put a poached egg on each cake. Season with salt and pepper and then ladle over the hot green chili. Eat with joy and happiness in your heart because this really is New Mexico soul food with a twist. Well, that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed hearing about a man and a writer who influenced me both personally and professionally. Rudy was truly an exceptional human being. He was a spinner of tales, a troubadour of words, a writer with a heart of gold, and at his core, he was a good man who came from humble roots and who never forgot where he came from and how it pushed him forward. I've actually blogged several of his other books, and you can read those posts over at my blog, foodinbooks.com. That's www.foodinbooks.com, should you be so inclined. You can also like me on Facebook and follow me on Instagram the links to which are in the show notes. Have a great rest of your week and happy Hispanic Heritage Month.